0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. What they discovered upon their arrival was almost unspeakable. We are all evil so in some form or another. I'm not guilty. <sighs> The dead won't bother you. It's
1: the living you gotta worry about. Some, if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Cast.
1: I am Vicki. And I think I am Janelle. Because I got confused there for a minute when you used that voice. (laughs) (laughs) It was my very
0: serious, um, like dateline voice, I guess.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Can you tell we're losing it over here yet, folks? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If this is your first time listening, a special hello to you. We've got another great episode for you today. But first, let's head over to the newsroom.
1: 50 63 violent crimes, bad, worse
0: than bad. Our news today, Janelle, comes from the skies.
1: <laughs> <sighs>
0: Ooh, ominous. Yes, because it happened on an air- airplane. There is a woman um, who is claiming that a well-known pastor in North Carolina peed on her on a Delta flight from Las Vegas to Detroit.
1: Okay.
0: It is, yeah. Yeah. Alicia Beverly has said that they were flying on a red-eye flight. She had fallen asleep, as most everybody did on the plane. And then she woke to a warm, wet feeling on her side. And when she looked up at eye level, she saw the genitals of this pastor. (laughs) Okay. She screamed, got the attention of an off-duty officer who was also on the flight, and immediately restrained the man. And she knew, I mean, at that point, that she had been urinated on. Mm -hmm. She then had to wait for another few hours in wet clothes for the plane to land. When they arrived at the airport, the pastor was detained. He hasn't been charged yet. There are some sources that claim the pastor had a bad reaction to a sleep aid that he had been taking, but there's Uh. actually been no official word from, like, his spokespeople. Sure. Right. They did say in the article I was reading, is from Fox 2 Detroit, that he didn't appear to be, you know, he wasn't saying anything, he wasn't really making any noise, he didn't really show any emotion. So you know i'm not i'm i'm interested to see if he's gonna get charged i think that miss beverly is hoping that they will hold this person accountable Mm -hmm. because she was just trying to fly home like yeah and then waking up to being literally urinated on like no (laughs) no i don't
1: need that in my life nobody needs that in their life i mean some people welcome that into their life though
0: I mean, yes, if it's consensual. Consent is key, as we often say.
1: Yes, Consent is the key in that sentence.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's true. We're going to move right along from talking about urination to Netflix and Kill. This week, we're looking at another HBO documentary. It is called Twist of Faith. It is a 2000, it actually came out in 2004, so it's a little bit older, but the concept is really interesting. So it focuses on a man named Tony Combs, um, who's a firefighter in Toledo, Ohio. He was actually sexually abused by a Catholic priest when he was 14 years old. And as many people do, as many men do, he kept this a secret for almost 20 years. But. When he discovers that the priest, whose name is Dennis Gray, was living on the same street as him and his family, he finally decides to go public and brought a lawsuit against the priest and the church leaders who hadn't taken any action after any of these incidents. And of course, this does look into Huge patterns of abuse and cover-ups within the diocese. Mm -hmm. The documentary, I mean, Tony Combs is not the only person who is a victim of this Dennis Gray that is included in the documentary. They have other victims of Grays that are included in the documentary. And a lot of it is recorded on, like, camcorders that they gave to Combs and his family. It's just, it's like... I don't know the idea of hiding this thing and then having it literally moving down the street is like I can't even imagine the emotional toll that would take, right Mhm, yeah it, it it yeah, and of course, like I said, this is from two thousand and four since then, there has been much more recognition of the sexual abuse patterns within the catholic church including from the pope which was huge although you know i think there's still more action that needs to be taken Mm -hmm. there's been many internal investigations and people brought to trial in probably i would say the last five years it's really kind of increased but listen we need to hold these people accountable and not shield them behind religion. Like, yep. (laughs) You just can't do it, guys. People in power are not always the best people. They're usually the worst people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Might might be a hot take, but I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) So, again, that's called Twist of Faith. It's on HBO. You can check it out now, Um, and I encourage you to do so. This is that part of the show where we say content may not be appropriate for all listeners. We will have discussions of murder and... Murder.
1: <laughs> and boats. Well, mine's a question mark, so we'll see. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Mine was definitely murder. <laughs>
0: uh, so our theme for this episode, I think... I'm just. I we're heading into the winter months. Um, I know we're in the midst of fall, but like winter's right around the corner. They're already talking about mm-hmm. snow. Not a fan. And I'm thinking just like warmer climates, maybe I don't know. I <laughs> decided to look at some murder on the high seas. Yeah, we'll, we'll say so things that happen on water, mm-hmm. bodies of
1: water, preferably the ocean, in and around water.
0: <laughs> yes. So, I decided this week to look at the story of David Trauger and Karen Barnes.
1: Okay.
0: And David Trauger was an extremely successful insurance dude. He he was so successful, in fact, that he made enough to buy a trawler, which is like, it's a type of yacht that Mm -hmm. is considered like it used to be considered like a workman's yacht Mm -hmm. but a lot of people have i mean it's not like don't picture like a huge like you know millionaire's yacht not that
1: smaller like a small like a small fish boat
0: yes yes exactly so he bought this trawler that he called premium time (laughs) boat names i (laughs) <laughs> boat, boat names are a thing that's like, um, it's like nail polish names. It's like, mm-hmm. why? But why though? Now, as you might have guessed, this boat is going to play a huge part in the story. <laughs> Troger, who had gotten out of a 22-year marriage, turned to an online dating service hoping to find his new love. Now, while he was there, he met Banquet manager Karen Barnes, who was living in Savannah, Georgia at the time, Barnes became enamored with Trauger and his promises of new adventures and travel. And the two of them eventually married on New Year's Eve of 2009. Now, Trauger was extremely active in like the area's boating community, Mm -hmm. where they had organizations like the Great Harbor Trawler Association and other things similarly named. But it seems like he wasn't particularly well-liked by his fellow boaters. Mm. According to an article written by Peter Swanson, and I am going to put a link to this, a lot of my research came from this article that Peter Swanson wrote. He did a great job of he went through GBI files and interviewed a lot of the witnesses and family members like really extensive research into this case Mm -hmm. so this is from Peter Swan's article quote Trauger was subject to mood swings exhibited volatile jealousy and drank to excess there are also reports that he was abusive towards his family as well as just like this all-around kind of weird dude A daughter from one of Trauger's previous marriages has said that this wasn't an anomaly, but in fact, a regular occurrence, saying that he had been violent his whole life, including to his children. Hmm. So not a great picture to start off with. But I will say that things between Barnes and Trauger started off on a good enough foot. And like the two, she moved into premium time onto the boat and they they. The two of them lived there and everything was good, but pretty quickly life began to unravel and Trager's true character was revealed. One night on the Abaco docks, the two of them had been aboard Premium Time when after consuming a considerable amount of alcohol, there was some sort of domestic violence incident that happened that left Barnes with a broken arm. Hmm there weren't really any specifics but i it has to be pretty extreme for her to have a broken arm i would assume
1: i mean i broke my collarbone falling out of bed when i was 3 so who knows <laughs> what really <laughs> yeah yeah are you I, are you just super fragile um no i like full on fucking whipped myself off of the bed i was having Dang. a fever dream because i had the flu oh And I didn't know I broke my collarbone. And the next day I fell again and I went into shock. So fun times, fun times. Oh, my God. (laughs) You you can break stuff and not even know it. (laughs) I have so many
0: days where I'm like, I'm so glad that you are alive right now and that you made it this far. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'm like,
1: man, how did I get to this this point in my life? I should have died. (laughs) Oh, my God. So after this
0: incident, this is like when Barnes discovered that Trauger was an alcoholic, something that she was not aware of when they had married. I don't know if he just hit it really well or if, you know, sometimes I think when you are blinded by love, you're able to look past a lot of red flags. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> After
0: a period of time, Barnes moved back aboard Premium Time, and Trauger began attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And then the couple moved from Brunswick Landing to a nearby marina named Jekyll Harbor Marina. Hmm. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. In March 2012... Trauger decided to transfer the federal documentation for his prized possession, premium time, into his wife's name for a very interesting reason. Again, I'm going to refer to the article that Peter Swanson wrote because I think he just tells it best. Quote, When Trauger and Barnes married, Trauger still owed his first ex-wife $235,000 from that divorce. Trauger and Barnes feared the first ex-wife would try to recover the money by executing a lien on the boat, which Trauger had bought for $558,000. The Trauger-Barnes divorce, according to attorney Crystal Ferrier of Brunswick, was a sham, an ill-conceived scheme to put premium time beyond the other ex-wife's reach. What hell? So it was all this kind of like giant ploy to make sure that his previous ex-wife didn't get a hand on this boat that he loved so much. My God. (laughs) Typical. I will say also, there are some who claim that Barnes was really behind this divorce idea, conning Trauger out of his assets, including the boat. So some people are saying that she was really just this kind of gold digger who you know, convince Trauger to transfer because of this ex-wife reason, but actually she had planned to take this boat the entire time. That was like her grandmaster plan. But really the only two who will know the true motivation behind the divorce are Trauger and Barnes. And we are not going to get any answers um, from either of them for reasons that will become apparent later. Oh, <laughs> tell us more yes. Vicky. <laughs> so we're going to assume from this point that the divorce was to keep Traugger's assets away from his premium, his previous wife, his
1: premium wife. Oh, his pre- <laughs> his premium
0: time wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> so let's assume the divorce was for that. If Barnes was in on the plan in the beginning, it seemed like she was really over it in the end because In June of 2012, Troger left the boat to deal with some business at his insurance office. And then he like returned to woo his wife with some wine and some flowers. Very romantic stuff. But when he got back to premium time, he discovered that the locks on the boat had been changed.
1: (laughs) How? How do you, how do you lock a
0: boat up? You get a boat locksmith. It's just all open. It's just a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm assuming it's the, like, locks on the doors to the cabins and stuff, which, I mean, you're not gonna... I would like to assume you wouldn't just sleep on the boat. But it also makes... Now that I'm thinking about it, I (laughs) wonder if there was... Because some places you have, like, doors that lead onto the dock where your boat is at.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: maybe... That was also the case, too? Like, those locks got changed? Yeah. I'm not sure. I have no (laughs) idea. It's very weird. (laughs) After he found out the locks had been changed, he was contacted by a state trooper saying that his belongings had been moved from the boat and put into a storage locker and he wasn't allowed to come back to the boat, which, if I can remind you, wasn't in his name anymore. Mm Hmm. Almost immediately... Chauger went to the law office where they had filed their quote-unquote divorce um, to have it set aside, and a hearing was set for early August. But in the meantime, Barnes moved the boat to St. Mary's in an attempt to hide away with help from this neighbor named Larry Ford. Now, Ford's motivation is something people are still wondering about. People who knew him believe that he was just this, like... Helpful dude aiding a woman who didn't really know how to move a trawler and felt like she was in some sort of danger. And so he stepped up, helped her move the boat. There has been some speculation made that they may have been sleeping together, but there isn't any evidence to substantiate those claims. Even still, you can see how the involvement of this other man would look to Trauger who had just been scorned by his ex-wife, or by his soon-to-be ex-wife, right? It it wouldn't look good, especially for somebody who was formerly an alcoholic and has anger problems. (laughs) And then, of course, at this point, he began following Barnes around. Trager was able to sleep at motels for a while, and then he eventually got an apartment in the area. Now, what happened next is like, Almost out, like, straight out of a murder mystery. One of these cases, you, like, couldn't write this any better. hmm <laughs> On August 13th, very early in the morning, it was, like, almost 3.30 in the morning, Trauger hopped into a skiff and drove alongside the premium time, dressed in all black. Creeping onto the boat, Trauger found his newly ex-wife Barnes along with Larry Ford on the boat. In a fit of rage, Trauger murdered Barnes and Ford before setting the boat ablaze and leaving. Oh, God. At some point, there was a... And I saw a, a couple... Of, I didn't know if it was from Trauger's phone or from Barnes's phone. Um, but there was a 911 call that was that was placed during these events. But it was an open line, which allowed mm-hmm. the call to essentially record the final events that happen. It's hard to make out some of the stuff that's in the 911 call. But, you know, there's some like screaming. You can hear some like struggling kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So uh, it was like just the last moments of these people's lives recorded on an open uh, 911 call. Yeah, But. I will say, while that is extremely depressing, thanks to this call, the authorities were able to respond to the boat fire, eventually putting out the blaze, Um, but not before the bodies had been cremated and nearly destroyed. The boat itself was described as burning basically down to the waterline. So there was almost nothing left of this boat. And pictures of it, it's just like... A flat, it's just like, it's almost like a flat piece of wood that just has like charred, burned stuff on it floating in the water. I mean, it doesn't even look remotely like it would have been a boat at all. When the burning boat had been found, police didn't know how many people were on board, only that they had found some skeletal remains and they weren't sure if they belonged to one person or two people and they weren't sure who it was. So they sent those out for forensic analysis, but... Of course, they immediately began looking into Trauger and Barnes when they discovered that the boat had belonged to them, along with Ford, who had been reported to be near the boat at the time of the fire. Upon further investigation, although, to be honest, it didn't take a whole lot of looking, um, authorities were able to find court filings for the divorce pr- proceedings detailing allegations of stalking and claims that Trauger hadn't been paying his alimony Mm -hmm. So they pulled the divorce records, both for Barnes and for his previous wife. And immediately, the rumor mill in town, everybody was talking about this being a case of murder-suicide. So at this point, they didn't know. They had these three people who were nowhere to be found. Two of them owned the boat, and they had... One, maybe two dead that they had found. They didn't know if it was Trauger and Barnes. They didn't know if it was Trauger and Ford, if it was Barnes and Ford. Like, they just didn't know. So, of course, they were looking for Trauger along with Barnes and Ford. And, you know, if only to, like, shine some light on the events that had happened upon the premium time Three days later, they found him at his residence, and police went and approached to arrest Trauger to take him for questioning, but he came out shooting, not willing to go down without a fight. Yeah, He pulled his weapon, started firing on police, of course, as they do, (laughs) police started shooting back, and they did eventually kill Trauger. Paramedics arrived on scene and began checking him out, but he, by the time they got there, he was already dead. There is some speculation that Trauger had decided to commit suicide by cop, which is something, I don't think it's an official term, but it's something people have, a phrase that people have been using a lot more, I would say, in the last like five to ten years. Yeah. Where you have people intentionally shooting at police in order to be killed by them.
1: Mm -hmm, mm
0: mm-hmm not great but again this isn't this is an allegation that hasn't ever been proven probably can't ever be proven considering the person they would ask is dead Mm -hmm. and so that is where the case ends nobody was held accountable everybody is dead and the boat is burned to the ground yep super unsatisfying ending (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, just wait, because you're going to be seeing even more unsatisfying things on my case. <laughs> oh, great. Let the disappointment continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: round two. Name something that's not boring: a laundry? Ooh, a book club!
1: As I said, utter disappointment is on the horizon. Disappointment is starboard. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I wish I would have used more Bodhi language. I just hey, don't now. know enough
0: Bodhi language.
1: No, I know. You know, a tidbit.
0: <laughs> there she blows?
1: Mm. Yeah. Does,
0: does that count?
1: <laughs> sure. So... <laughs> For mine, I wanted to look into... Okay, I actually had this on my list for a while because I was thinking about doing a Murder on the High Seas episode as well. So I had this case kind of like just hanging out, waiting for its time to shine. Mm-hmm. I am going to be talking about the case of the disappearance of Rebecca Corium. Now, I don't know how you feel about cruises, Vicki, but I personally would never, ever, 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 ever take a cruise. <laughs> i've already
0: <laughs> been on a cruise mm-hmm. it was super fun but honestly i think now in corona times i'm like a little
1: less i just look at everything in terms of germs and so I mean, not even that something about being trapped with a bunch of people that i a hundred percent know i will not like Just doesn't entice me. And also, floating on basically a hotel in the ocean, which is just emptying all of your garbage and shit into the ocean, just does not sound appealing to me.
0: I guess, but
1: (laughs) you know, it's pretty legit. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more into a different kind of adventure. But yeah, this case might totally make you change your mind about going on a cruise. Okay. So Rebecca Corium was a 24 year old who had just finished up her sports degree at uni because she's British. I'm going to be using that term because she went to Exeter and she decided that she was going to work on the Disney cruise ship in youth activities. So she applies for this job. She gets it. And if you're not familiar with working on cruise ships, you are gone for like almost an entire year. Yeah. Because you are nonstop on the cruise ship, docking and undocking. You get very little time off. And it is like a seven to eight month commitment that you are mm-hmm. working on a cruise ship. Yeah. So with the Disney cruise ships in particular, you have to like go to a Disneyland location and do a lot of training. So she went and did a Disneyland training. And then she was put onto the Disney cruise ship called the Disney Wonder. Ooh. In May of 2011, she was on the Disney Wonder, and they were en route to Puerto Vallarta and Cabo San Lucas. So it was a Disney cruise in, uh, in and around Mexico. Hey, those are two places I went to. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> the ship housed 2,455 passengers and 1,000 employees. On Tuesday, March 23rd of 2011, Rebecca did not report for work at 9 a.m., She was called over the loudspeaker several times to no avail. No one had seen her and she did not come to the front deck. Okay. After a few hours, the ship was searched and the Coast Guard was called. Now, when I say a few hours, they waited four hours to contact the cruise ship, uh, the Coast Guard from the cruise ship. All right. Because they were in proximity to Mexico, the Mexican Coast Guard searched the waters around the ship and they didn't see anything. Uh, It appears that Rebecca Corium simply vanished into thin air. Whoa. Now, her mother had received a message from her the night before via Facebook, and her mother had replied. And she grew a little bit concerned when Rebecca had not messaged her back, because usually she does it, even if she's working, within at least an hour or so. The cruise ship contacted the Coriums eventually, and they were flown out once the ship was uh, reaching the dock. But before the family was even able to make it out there, they luckily were able to get Disney to call the police. <laughs> okay. Now, the timeline on this is a little bit weird. So it all happened within like a 24 to 48 hour period in terms of identifying the authorities. So after four hours, they called the Coast Guard. After seven hours, they called the police. Okay. Them contacting the aquariums was also a little bit strange because they waited like a full twenty four hours before they actually like let them know what was happening.
0: Yeah, which
1: I think is a little bit shitty. If you're calling the police and the coast guard, you should probably call the parents right away. Yeah, I mean, now
0: here's the thing: I don't want to defend their actions. I think the timeline, if it were something happening on land, would normally be pretty extended. But what I will say is these cruise ships are huge and there is mm-hmm. a lot of places to search on them. So I can see mm-hmm. them taking a reasonable amount of time to search because there's, like, um secret passageways, basically, for the staff that isn't yes. seen by people on the cruise ship. And, like, that would even be a lot to search. So I I do agree, though, that if you're calling the police, you should definitely call the family, like – Just before or immediately after that call is made. Like, that is... If you
1: feel like it's necessary to call the police, you better fucking call their family. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they were kind of en route to fly out. Since the ship... this This is the funny part about cruise ships. So the ship was registered in the Bahamas. So it was the Royal Bahama Police Force that was called. And a detective was sent out. And they were supposedly supposed to spend a few days on the ship investigating. Okay. According to the coriums, when they arrived, the RBEPF told them that they only spent one day aboard the ship and only talked to a handful of employees and no passengers. So, if you remember, there's two thousand, over two thousand passengers and a thousand employees, and they talked to like a dozen people and only employees wow. and no passengers.
0: Oh my gosh! Well, and I feel like it'd be easy too to pinpoint at least like a section of the passengers. That would have interacted with her based on her
1: like work schedule, right? You think that'd be exactly. easy to narrow down somewhat? Well, it should be even easier because they have fucking CCTV footage. Oh, so <laughs> the police did show uh, the Coriums the CCTV footage of Rebecca that they had, which was directly taken directly before her disappearance. The video is time stamped at five forty five a.m. and shows Corium on the phone in cruise quarters. She looked. I have a picture of it below, so you can kind of look at it. She looked very distressed as she was speaking on the phone. And then a young man approached her, said something. She said something back, and he walked away. Okay. Then she stays on the phone a minute or two longer, and then hangs up and walks off. If you note in the picture, she also appears to be wearing clothes that did not belong to her. They look very baggy; appeared to be too big. Yeah. Now this was the last time that Rebecca was seen. Was this CCTV footage. Okay. Now, Disney was really polite to the Coriams, but they were extremely cagey, and the police immediately, like immediately, ruled that it was an accidental death, assuming that she had fallen from the boat. What? The investigators only spent 37 hours investigating this case. And her parents reported that it looked like they didn't take anything from her cabin for evidence, as everything was still there when they arrived, including her laptop and some of her clothes that appeared to be actually be, like, torn.
0: I, hmm. I feel like I get the impression that because Disney is this huge company, mm-hmm. that there might have been, like, an effort to not implicate um, the company in anything exactly. or mm-hmm. at least minimize. And it's not just Disney. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But I mean, when you're talking about these huge tourist, tourist, yeah. tourism markets, statistics too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> revolving around. Uh, okay. I won't skip ahead then. <laughs> yeah. The rate in which disappearances happen is pretty. Oh, stylish. Lord. I don't even know if I um, want to know that. <laughs> See, I don't know if you want to go on a ship ever again. Well, not anymore. Yeah, Disney did little after the investigation was conducted, um, and the quoriums felt like they were being left out of the conversation. They kept asking questions, receiving no answers. They asked for copies of reports that were filed by the police department and some other investigation groups. Because, again, this is happening in international waters, so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of intricacies involved. They asked for copies of reports. They were given absolutely no copies of the reports. Disney even held a small uh, memorial ceremony on the crew deck, placing flowers along the outside of the crew deck in her memory. So this really weird fucking stuff that was happening. Now, there was a lot of rumors swirling around the case, especially because um, if you're very familiar with, like, cruise ships and, you know, employees on cruise ships, they're all very close. If they've worked on one ship, they've worked on like a thousand other ships. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a very tight-knit community of workers. Yeah, But there were basically three major theories that were kind of being tossed around. The first theory being that she was swept off the deck by a rogue wave. Now, this is the most popular theory surrounding the case. It's also become the theory that was floated by police and Disney and why they said that her death was ruled accidental. They claim that Rebecca must have been swept away on deck 10, which was the crew's private pool deck. They claimed that flip-flops of hers were found near the pool. But according to the Coriums, the flip-flops that were found were two sizes too small for Rebecca. So they're saying that those could not be hers. They were also a flower pattern, and she dressed more in um, kind of an an androgynous dress. Yeah. So they do not think that they belonged to her.
0: I wonder, when you're talking about these waves that come up, I wonder if they have video of, like, these areas of the deck where there would be, like, waves crashing over. We'll get to that.
1: Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, the second theory was that she committed suicide. Now, this theory revolves around a tumultuous relationship that she had with a fellow crewmate. They had an on-again, off-again relationship that was described as fiery and passionate by other crew members. The woman that she was in a relationship was called uh, Tracy Medley. Her lover actually approached the newspapers years after she disappeared um, and gave her side of the story, stating that Rebecca was assaulted as a teenager and that her behavior became more and more erratic as she stayed longer and longer on the ship. She had a history of drug use and drinking and even hurt herself by hitting her head on the metal wall. So she would kind of fly into these rages, according to this woman. Yeah. When Tracy's previous boyfriend came back to work on the ship, Tracy ended things with Rebecca, and Tracy states that she believes that Rebecca took her own life because of this. There is also a significant amount of cases of people like leaping from ships, so it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that suicide could be the thing. Okay. Now, the cruise industry does not admit to people jumping from the sides of ships, and they kind of do a really good job of keeping it out of the eye of the public which we will hear a little bit more about. And then the third and final theory that is floated is that she was murdered by another crew member. Now, this is the most interesting theory as there's really like not a lot of evidence, physical evidence of Rebecca being like anywhere on the ship, but it is one that is becoming more and more popular, even more popular than the suicide theory because of some of the conversations that were had with other crew members. Okay. Which we'll talk a little bit about cuz uh Newspaper in England did a very intense investigation of this case. Now, due to the lack of response from Disney and the case being closed extremely quickly, the quoriums decided to open an inquest in the UK. They also filed a suit against Disney, and Disney would eventually settle with them in 2015 for an undisclosed amount of money and under the condition that they are not allowed to speak about the terms or further the investigation at all.
0: So they can never speak again
1: about what happened to their daughter. Oh, my God. No. Let's go back a little bit. In October of 2011, a few months after she disappeared, The Guardian reporter John Ronson did an investigation of his own by purchasing a ticket on the exact same cruise ship.
0: I love John Ronson. Just putting that out there.
1: Yes. So through talking with crew members, Ronson was able to discover a couple of additional rumors and questions the investigation pretty intensely. So I'm going to go through a couple of kind of questions that were brought up in this uh, newspaper article. It is very intense, and I highly suggest reading it. There's a couple other podcasts that have done episodes about this. Honestly, I mean, they're all right. But a lot of people focused on, like, interviewing crew members, and you'll hear why I find that to be a little bit difficult to believe. So... Okay. This newspaper article, I think, did a good job because he didn't wait too long. He only waited... So this happened in May, and he waited until October to get on the ship to to talk to people. So there were still people who who knew her directly on the ship. Okay, okay. So they mentioned the crew pool, which is where they reported that she was last at after that CCTV footage of her on the phone. The crew pool has a 10-foot solid metal wall surrounding it to keep people from falling into the ocean. It would have been pretty impossible for her to climb up there or accidentally fall without getting on top of it. Okay. Secondly, crew members stated that there obviously was that love triangle between her, Tracy, and Tracy's ex. To uh, a couple of the crew members that he um, spoke with, they believe that this was a murder and that she was killed due to this love triangle. Now, uh, in regards to the suicide, so he talked to, to a couple people and kind of figured out some things. After talking to the quoriums and some crew members, it was brought to Ronson's attention that Rebecca had actually bought a trip to Disney Paris for her and her family to enjoy a couple months after her return from working on the cruise ship. So this, coupled with the Facebook conversations that she was having with friends and family, kind of directly opposed that suicide theory. So they say that the suicide theory really wasn't valid. Now, Disney actually sent additional CCTV footage to the FBI to be enhanced this footage has never been released, has not been located, and was not seen by the Coriums.
0: What?
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. That's sketchy. So there's some lost CCTV footage. But also why would they need to be sent to the FBI to be enhanced? Like what are they looking at? What are they seeing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, according to another private investigator that Ronson talked to, it appears that there have may have been a sexual assault. Rebecca's clothing, if you remember in, her, in the video, along with her appearance in that footage, allude to a crime occurring. So if you notice, we we spoke about it. She was wearing clothes that looked like they were men's clothes, oversized, and not her style at all. Mm-hmm. She had also called the Disney cruise ship's head administrator, but was not able to reach them. She, so she was, like, calling basically their HR person.
0: Is that who she was calling, like, in the footage? Like, is that the phone call that she made?
1: She was actually talking to a friend in the footage, but it was right before that that she had called the head of the administration of the cruise ship. Gotcha. Another interesting thing about the rogue wave theory is that the weather report for that evening was calm waters and clear skies, which makes the swept by a rogue wave theory kind of shaky. And plus, they were so high up on the ship and there was 10-foot walls that a wave crashing over the side of a 10-foot wall is very unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. Crew members also stated that there was an extremely large number of CCTVs on board and that crew members' whereabouts were really well documented to the point that people have gotten fired and in trouble for things that they've done that was caught on CCTV footage. Mm. In fact, a crew member was kicked off the ship when they climbed the retaining wall around the crew deck. And Disney takes disobeying of their rules very seriously, so they were immediately fired. So if the footage of her climbing on the wall was actually like, if that's what they had to sent to the FBI to be enhanced. Yeah. She would have been kicked off the boat immediately if she was climbing up and down those walls.
0: Okay. See, that's, you know what? That's what I thought, because I feel like security on cruise ships, because it is a number of people in one location for a period of time. Mm -hmm. is huge. And you have to keep track of all of those people, all of the sides of the boats for safety reasons. Like, You got to have tons. I knew they had to have tons of CCTV stuff. I feel like they don't have enough
1: crew members, though, because there's only 1,000 crew members to over 2,000 people. I feel like there should be a higher amount of crew members. But, yeah, there's literally cameras everywhere on that ship. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's Disney, so there's even more cameras because they're really, really, like, into that watching of people. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. The crew deck is also right in the front of the ship and visible by the upper deck workers. So if someone were to fall or jump off the ship, it would be immediately seen by crew members on the upper deck because they're in charge of looking at where the ship's going and the path of the ship. So they're literally scanning the waters. That's their job. They rotate the ships. That's what they do. They would be able to see someone jumping off the ship or falling off the ship because it's like right there. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing really has been further investigated, obviously, because the aquarium signed that agreement and took that payout. But there are still some independent detectives and private investigators who are still very interested in this case because her body was never found. The investigation ruled an accidental death. It's just very all over the place. Yeah. Now, over 170 passengers and her crew members have gone missing from ships since 2000. Oh, my God. Now, the statistic was taken in 2017, so it's probably higher than that. Okay. The rate at which people disappear from ships is staggeringly high. There is also the issue with jurisdiction and methodologies of reporting crimes at sea. Disney waited too long to contact authorities, and since they're in international waters, the boat was registered out of the Bahamas, Disney is based in the U.S., this person is from the U.K., and the boat took off from L.A., it adds all of these layers of kind of trying to figure out who's going to investigate this case, where this case is going. Yeah. So sea law is very difficult. So they called the Bahama police because the re- the boat was registered in the Bahamas. The Corriums were actually able to get an inquest because, which is actually something that's a little bit difficult to do uh, because she's a UK citizen and she went missing. Uh-huh in international waters. So they were able to get an inquest, which is what happened and led to that case and their settlement. So you have all of these things kind of happening and it's very confusing and it's very difficult to investigate, which is why I think this case is so very interesting because you have all of these working parts. You have all of these people who are witnesses. You have all of these people who are watching CCTV footage. Uh You have the fact that Disney has all of this power to kind of like erase things. The reason we don't hear about all of these 170-plus people going missing from ships is because the cruise ships have this amazing power of keeping things out of the press because they're on international waters. So, yeah. This is why I highly caution people who are thinking about taking a cruise. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe don't do that. (laughs) Because also on top of, you know, this, the rate of sexual assault and, like, physical harm, violence to a person is actually even higher than the rate of people going missing from ships. Yeah. So cruise ships are like really up there and also all-inclusive resorts, in case you were wondering about that. All-inclusive resorts also have a very high rate of rape. Huh. So when you're going on your vacation, maybe sometimes the unbeaten path is the best way to go because when you jam thousands of people into a tiny space, crimes will occur. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: So that is the case of the disappearance of Rebecca Corium and my little soapbox moment of telling you not to go on a cruise ship.
0: (laughs) I had no idea that there were so many disappearances on cruise ships. Yeah, yeah. That to me is like kind of wild. When you're when you're talking about the ship itself, when you're talking about Uh when they're going when they're docked and like going into. yeah you know wherever the ports at that's a different thing mm-hmm. but on the physical cruise ship i'm um, it's cuz you think how hard could it be to lose somebody
1: like you said there's lots of little nooks and crannies but yeah yeah i mean there's other cases where people have been found like stuffed into like engine rooms and in between walls and things mhm a murder happens right And accidents happen, and suicides happen. I mean, there was that case not too long ago where a person got crushed in underneath the elevator in a cruise ship. I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh, and there was blood seeping out from underneath the elevator door. So that was fun. Oh my god, Um, (laughs) it was like a horror movie. Wow. So again, cruise ships are bad. Okay. They're bad. (laughs) Yeah. I will also say I'm
0: not surprised that this isn't something we hear about because we have to understand that the tourism industry is huge in some of these areas Mm -hmm. and they make a fuckload of money off of things like cruises and taking them to these destinations that solely rely on tourist dollars Mm -hmm. and any negative story that might bring attention or might lead to any investigation that would shut them down for any period of time is like not great for their industry. Um yep. I mean, look, honestly, like look at what happened with COVID and how long they had to shut down the cruise ships. If you go, you got to be quarantined for two weeks. I can't imagine people mm-hmm. are spending money on that right now. You'd be surprised. <laughs> and I think, I think that one, like the one, it was like one of the first boats that had a major COVID outbreak, has been completely decommissioned, I'm pretty sure. So anyway, the point is, there's a lot of dollars in this, and I think it's mm-hmm. very easy for people with a lot of dollars to cover up what they need to cover up. Just saying. Yep. Okay, well, before you hop on a boat and get into a body of water, maybe don't. check out <laughs> – ch- don't, but also listen to this podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Nicole. Sarah. Hillary. And we're the hosts of the Feminine Mistake Podcast. Each month, we sit down with a guest to watch movies that are 20 years or older. And see how they hold up to today's modern feminist lens. Why do mermaids have such low self-esteem? Why is it so funny when men take care of babies? What exactly did Jenny die of in Love Story? These are the kind of hard questions we ask ourselves
0: on the Feminine Mistake Podcast. The Feminine Mistake Podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts,
1: Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you guys think that was okay? Yeah, I don't know. We sounded kind of shrill. Really? Yeah, women's voices are just so grating on the radio. Yeah. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah, I mean, have you ever heard those guys over at the Nerdist or last podcast on the left? I mean, they're just biologically more funny than we are. So true. Yeah.
0: All right, Janelle, that has been our episode. Do you feel more nautical?
1: Nah. Nah. I, I don't like <laughs> the ocean. I I stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to. You know what I mean? Aw. Uh, don't go... <laughs>
0: One You're welcome. Um, <laughs> having our 90s moment. Um, if yes, you enjoyed always. this episode, you can find many, many, many more episodes just like this one at com. There you will also find links to our merch page uh, where you can buy T-shirts and sweatshirts and Bags and all sorts of fun stuff. Bags on bags on bags. Christmas is coming up. (laughs) You gotta get some Christmas gifts. Get a bag for your gifts. (laughs) A bag for your bag for your bag. While you're there, you can also find a link to the donate page if you wish to support the podcast. It'll take you to Patreon, where we got tons and tons of bonus content, random episodes. Interviews with other folks, oh, lots of fun stuff, and you can get all of that just for as little as one dollar, a single Ew. dollar. <laughs> other than that, I, do we have anything else? Nope, I think that's all she wrote. <laughs> Dang. Mm-hmm. Well, all right then. Um, on that note, our sound and editing is by Tiff Fullman. Our music is by Jason Szyszkowski, The Enigma. <laughs> This has been the Bad Taste Crime Cast. We will see you in 2 weeks. Um, ahoy there? Is that a, is that a body? Le-
1: I don't I think this that's, would be that's, an that's appropriate time to say Thar she blows.
0: Thar she blows. <laughs> <laughs> blows. And young
1: women have left their bodies on the hillsides along the highway. It was as if a wave of people washed over this town. We are all
0: Bon voyage. Oh, see, that's the Bodhi language that I needed. Yes. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. Damn. I'm really sad <laughs> that you didn't think about that till now. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I tried so hard. I was like, what's the Bodhi way to say goodbye? <sighs> bon voyage. Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs>